Well, good to see you all this morning. We want to welcome people who are on live stream this morning, especially those down in Delaware, those down in uh, up in up in Canada and Quinty. Glad you're here today. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. Lord's been really speaking to us these days. Um, last week we're talking about how to measure maturity. You can actually put a dipstick in your heart and measure how mature you are. And uh, it is measurable, but it's measured uh, with the Father. It's not measured with other people. <clears throat> has nothing to do with age, tenure, how long you've been in the pew. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, beginning in verse 43 down to verse 48, Jesus sets maturity. He says, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word perfect there has to do with maturity. Uh, how, how to respond to nasty things that people do. People persecute, they slander, uh, treat us unjustly. Um, uh, and, and he talks about this and how to respond to that. Uh, all of us are offended at different times. We've been teaching about, about offenses. And there's different kinds of offenses, different degrees of offense. And... Um, uh, all of us have been hurt. All of us have, if we could line everybody up and hear everyone's testimony, everyone's been abused in some way, everyone's been uh, mistreated in some way. And so uh, uh, part of what Jesus teaches here is about forgiveness in chapter 5. And, and uh, uh, we have to learn how to do that. It's, it's not easy. It's not for wimps. Um, you have to learn how to, how to forbear weaknesses. We're teaching about how we have weaknesses. You have to learn how to forgive offenses. And then you have to learn how to fight. Perhaps next week we'll teach about how to fight. There's a way to fight. And if we get those three things mixed up, when we're fighting when we should be forbearing, or fighting when we should be forgiving, or forbearing things that we should actually confront, um, allowing things to happen rather than confront it, you're, it'll, it'll mess you up. Uh, it'll keep you from growing. And so we want to be able to explore these things and learn how to, how to do it. Uh, here's the definition of, of forgiveness. It says, that, uh, de by definition, forgiveness is a process of ceasing to feel resentment, indignation, or anger for a perceived offense, sin, or mistake, and ceasing to demand punishment, revenge, or restitution in return. That's a good definition of, of forgiveness. And uh, if that's the definition, if that's an accurate definition, then it's also the way to measure whether you're on the other side of forgiveness, whether you're, whether you're through forgiving. Probably the number one question people ask um, when I teach about forgiveness, uh, by the way, I, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon about forgiveness, not like you'll hear this morning. It's just not talked about very much in public. Yet there's nothing more central, there's nothing more fundamental to, to Christianity than forgiveness. Yet we fumble with it, we bumble with it. Even when I do pastor's conference, they, they struggle with it. And, um, and, but the number one question is, how do I know when it's over? How do I know when I have forgiven? And uh, finally, finally free of it all. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today uh, uh, a little bit. But... Uh, if you treat it one-dimensionally, not all offenses are the same, not all sins are the same. 
Uh, not all weaknesses are the same. You can't treat it one-dimensionally. There's levels to forgiveness. There's some things that you can just forgive. You just, you, you just forgive it and forget it and go on. And then there's some other things that are so deep and so offensive, so hurtful, that it takes time. And it's a process. It's a process from your head to your heart. And that 18 inches sometimes can take a long time uh, for that to happen. Uh, and God will take you on a process. It's, for some, uh, forgiveness is like an antibiotic that you just take it for two weeks and you're over, you're over it. Uh, it uh, you, you found the cure. And other levels of forgiveness are more of a process, kind of like making wine. There's, a, there's lots to it, lots of steps to it that lead to something that, that is, is delicious in the end. And uh, it could never get there without time and patience and process. And so we need to learn. It takes maturity to figure out how to apply these things properly. And that's what we're hoping to build uh, among ourselves here, that, that kind of maturity we could figure this out. Go with me to Matthew 6, the next page over, beginning in verse 12. And uh, Jesus was asked by the disciples to, uh, about how to pray, and he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. It's not meant to be by rote. It's never, never to be said like a nursery rhyme where you just go through it. But this is something that you learn how to pray, and you learn how to live and how to walk it out. But verse 12 says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's one of the very first things that he teaches about forgiveness, is that you forgive uh, the way uh, we've been forgiven. And uh, as we forgive, we, we forgive other people. And um, uh, this is probably the first thing that we confront when we come into the area of forgiveness. And if it wasn't for this verse and a couple others like it, I probably wouldn't forgive at all. If I didn't have to forgive, I probably wouldn't. It's not in my nature to forgive. It's in God's nature. It's a sovereign thing. It's a, it's a grace thing. But here he says, I have to do it. I have to forgive our debtors as we, uh, our, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so it's, it's, it's conditional. And another time he said, um, he said, if, you're not, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't forgive at all. So the first time that we forgive, it's kind of selfish, and it's okay with God. He, he's, he set it up this way. You're doing it for your benefit. You're doing it so that you'll be forgiven. And uh, that's a place to begin. But then there's levels to this whole thing. There's a place where you got, where you're, you're forgiving because you want them to be free. You're forgiving them because you want them uh, to be able to be free in their relationship with the Lord and go on with their lives. Another reason to forgive is, he says, if you don't, I'll turn you over to the tormentors. And it's in the story that Jesus told in Matthew 18 that uh, describes someone who is forgiven, but they turned around and they held the person to their, to their sin and said, you, you will repay and uh, uh, the king in the story that Jesus said, uh, was talk talking about, he turned the whole thing around. He says, now uh, you're going to be turned over to the tormentors. And I see where unforgiveness sometimes really wrecks people's lives. It'll wreck their relationships, wreck, wreck their marriages, wreck their health. 
It can really uh, rob you of your sleep. In fact, I would say this, if, you, if, if we really learned how to forgive and if our society ever learned how to really forgive, most of the mental health issues that we're struggling with in our society would simply go away. They wouldn't exist. You'd be amazed at how many health issues would just simply go away if we ever really learned how to forgive. This whole thing of, of, of tormenting and, and uh, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven, it's a powerful thing. It's very real. It became real to me when I was preaching at a church not too long ago. And uh, uh, I wasn't preaching about forgiveness. I'm not sure what I was preaching about now, but I'd asked the people, said, if you haven't felt the presence of the Lord for a long time, if you felt like you haven't heard the voice of God in a long time, because that's not normal. That normal is hearing, having a relationship where we hear from him, we feel his nearness. That's normal. I said, if it's been a long time since you felt that, come to the front. Uh, I carry something that oftentimes I'll lay my hands on people and people will melt down. They'll feel the love of God in a powerful way. And I'll often do that. And, and so a whole group of people, maybe 20 people came to the front. And I just started. I laid my hands on the first guy and he fell down. Laid my hands on the next guy and he just melted. Laid my hands on the next guy and he starts to cry instantly. And it's just something that God does. It's the way he, he wants to touch his kids. I just... I'm a dad, I'm a granddad, I, I know that there's something powerful about loving touch like that. And so I'm going down through the line, and I come to this little lady, and I put my hand on her, and there's nothing. It just goes flat. And immediately you think, okay, what did I do wrong? You know, uh, maybe I presume too much, maybe I got distracted, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being successful in, in, in being used of the Lord, and, and now maybe my mind has gone in a different direction, I'm taking the credit, and so you, there's something that first thing that happens, you, you, you incriminate yourself, and uh, so then when I touched the next guy, he was really woozy and really affected by it. And so then I touched the next guy, and he was affected. And I finished out the line, and I went back to the, the little lady, and she's standing there. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't understand that. It feels like life was really happening except for her. I said, what, what's happening here? And immediately I had this strong impression of unforgiveness. And so I looked at her and I said, are there, are there people that have hurt you that you need to forgive? And she said, there might. <laughs> Just through those tight clenched lips, you know, tight jaw. I got one of the uh, more mature ladies in the, in the group, and I, I brought her up, and I said, would you just take her aside and, and lead her into forgiveness of the people who've hurt her? But uh, as I was driving home, I was, I was replaying that in my mind. It stopped the grace of God. Unforgiveness it's almost like she was living in sin. The very thing that she's withholding forgiveness for, is the sins that people have done to her, it's almost like that's on her. It's, it's a crazy concept, but it's true. And so we forgive. The first phase of forgiveness usually is for our benefit. We want, we want that off of us. We want to get rid of 
uh, our sins. We want to get rid of the, the tormentors. So it comes out of obedience, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good place to begin. That's better than not forgiving. And so we forgive out of our heads. But then Jesus said, if you don't forgive from your heart, so there's a difference between forgiving out of obedience here and forgiving because you have a want to, because you have a heart to forgive. That's a whole different place. That 18 inches, there's a, that's a journey. That's a real journey. And, and God will give us op many opportunities to practice this. Yeah. I think... Um, I think the enemy wants to stop us in our tracks. I don't think he wants to grow. So there's lots of opportunities, lots of offenses. Things happen to us. People say things about us. People do things. It reminds me of a story of, um, of a, a little lady named Maria. Maria was an immigrant. She came to our church as part of a refugee. We brought in different refugees from the Ukraine and and she was from this remote part of the U Ukraine. It was like Appalachia, uh, very, very poor, just a swampland. And Maria came, and, and she got a job in one of our local restaurants. And every day, all day, Maria washed pots. Her arms were always red from hot water and detergent and scrubbing pots for minimum wage. And, they gave her all the food she wanted to eat, all she could eat in the restaurant, and they gave her a little room out back, and so she had it made. She didn't have very many expenses and just had minimum wage, but she just washed pots, and, and she sent the money back to the Ukraine. So I just happened to go back to where by Maria's dad invited me. He was a pastor, and he invited me to come and preach. And so I, I got to go to Maria's village. I stayed in Maria's sister's house. And it was a nice house because it had been newly built, a nice new addition put on. You could smell the new paint, and it was from Maria's money that she sent back home. And I looked at the barn, and the barn was fairly new structure, and it had numbers written on it. I realized that they had taken down an old log barn, reclaimed it, and reassembled it. I could see the numbers uh, that they, so that now they have a new barn. And uh, they had a refrigerator, and I was really shocked to see, because there's no electricity. We're so far back in, there's no electricity. And I think, wow, they <laughs> They've got, an, they've got a refrigerator. They're doing really well. I opened the refrigerator up. It's filled with clothing. The other thing that they had that was amazing to me was they had a Volkswagen Jetta. And it was the color of green pea soup, a, a, a really unusual color green. Nothing like it around. And in a place where everybody's either walking, riding bicycles, or driving horses and carts, having a a nice Jetta. I mean, it, that was, it was the nicest car for miles around. I'd seen homemade cars. I'd seen homemade tractors and trucks. Man-made, I mean, welded in the shop, trucks. Uh, and the, the local car, the import from Russia, was called the Lada. And the Lada, there was really not much to the Lada. It was bare bones car, had a little Viking symbol on the front. In fact, the joke was, um, what's the shock absorbers on the, on the ladder? It's the passengers. 
And so it was just a, just really a little rattle box. And so Ajeta, Ajeta was amazing. They had got enough money for Maria, and they went into Germany, bought the, brought the Jetta, and brought it home. It was amazing. And then late one night, somebody snuck into the farmyard, unscrewed the gas cap, took a handful of white sand, which was everywhere, and poured it down the gas tank, screwed the lid back on. And when Edju and the boys got up the next morning to go to work, they fired that thing up, and they didn't even get out of the barnyard. It seized up. They're amazing mechanics, so they took that engine completely apart, laid it all out, wiped down, cleaned every part, but you know, it's machine made, it's precision made. It, it never went back together the same. It never worked the same. Last time I saw it, it was a chicken coop. They think it was someone from church who resented their prosperity, resented this family that was like everyone else was now just prospering so much that someone just wanted to bring them down. You know, I, th I thought about that for a long time after. That image stayed with me. And I realized we're all kind of braced for a frontal attack. You know, the enemy trying to stop us with some big thing, some big sin or some big offense. But most people get stopped with a bunch of little things small things, an accumulation of offenses, accumulation of things that people said and did or didn't do that build up and keep us from getting anywhere, stop us in our tracks, prevent us from really growing and going anywhere in the Lord. We have to flush our hearts with forgiveness. We have to flush our hearts regularly with forgiveness. The enemy does not want us to grow. Well, there's negative and positive reasons to forgive. I, I worked in a rehab center one time uh, called Serenity House, and I couldn't figure this out. It took me a while to get it, but all the guys would line up every morning, and they'd get a little glass of white milk. And I said, what's, what's this about? And they said, well, that's called antibuse. And um, they have to take it, and if they drink alcohol after having taken the antibuse, they are violently sick. I mean, they have to go to the emergency room to get a shot of something that, that counteracts that. And so it's a negative that keeps them from drinking. And they said there's also a positive. So you need a negative, you need a positive. The positive is if they don't drink, they get to work in the ref refinishing shop behind the house where they refinish re uh, furniture and the time passes much faster if they can work, they can earn a little money, and they get to see their kids on the weekend. And so it's like you got a positive and you got a negative anti-abuse. And Jesus sets it up just the same way that there's negatives. Uh, there, who, who wants a tormentor in your life? I mean, a tormentor robs you of your sleep. You can tell you're under the tormentor just by looking at your bed. You've been tossing and turning all night. The, 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 you know, when you're, when you're at peace, your bed's smooth and the sheets are smooth. You get up refreshed. Tormentor, that bed looks like you had a, you had a war going on there in the, in your, in the night. 
Here's the positive. Here's a positive incentive to go through the process of forgiveness. He says in Matthew chapter 5, if you'd like to go back there, in verses 45, uh, he says you get to become like your Father in heaven, down to verse 48. You get to become like your Father in heaven. And there's something about it. We sang it this morning. There's no one like the Lord. There's no one like our Father. He's the God of 70 times 7. He's the God who forgives and forgives and forgives. You know, there's a time pre-forgiveness where Adam never was given forgiveness. It was never extended to him. It was never offered to him, and he never asked for it. He never thought to ask for it. Nobody was asking for forgiveness. And then there's this time when God revealed himself to Moses, and he said, I'm going to pass by and declare my name to you. And one of the things that he declared was, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the God who will forgive who will forgive your trespasses. And it's a real revelation. Oh, oh, that's available? We're so far into forgiveness into the New Testament that we forget what it's like that there is pre-forgiveness. There was a time when there wasn't much forgiveness. But God brought it out. David, he caught sight of it. Here's something David wrote about, about our Father in Psalm 86, verse 5. He said, For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. You're ready to forgive. The word ready is quick. He's quick to forgive. That's something about our Father that you need to know. He's quick to forgive. He's not reluctant. You don't have to drag it out of him. He's ready to forgive. We see that in Jesus. Jesus is talking about people blaspheming him. And he says, if they blaspheme me, I'll forgive them. It's like he already decided. The people use his name as a swear word, I forgive them. I'll, people curse him or say that his power is, I, I, I just choose to forgive them. He said, the Holy Spirit, he won't forgive you. Me, I've already, I've already decided to forgive you because he's quick to forgive. He's ready to forgive. Nikki Cruz said this, we're never closer to the heart of God than when we're forgiving you want to know the heart of God? Get into that vein, that mercy vein. Get in that mercy vein where you're forgiving and flushing your heart regularly with his forgiveness. Bill Johnson wrote on Facebook one day, and he said, be quick to forgive while it's manageable. <laughs> in other words, decide early. You're just going to forgive because if you don't forgive, that thing can grow. It can take shape. It can move around. It can become something, become something that's unmanageable. So be quick to forgive or while it's still weak. Matthew 18, 22 to 35 talks about uh, forgiving from the heart. That's where we want to go. That's where we want to. So here's some ways that we can get there. Here's some ways we can get further out in this area of forgiveness. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. Paul's writing this to first century Christians, brand new Christians, <clears throat> spirit-filled Christians. Look at verses 31 and 32. We'll put them on the wall behind us. <clears throat> he says, Let all bitterness 
That's what we're talking about, the sand in our gas tanks. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger. Lots of times we're angry and we react with anger, road rage, we react, and it has nothing to do with the incident. It has to do with something else we're thinking about, something else we're struggling, something else that we find that someone has done to us and we react. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. Oftentimes you can tell what, what people are struggling with because it comes out of their mouths. I sat down with this lady one time and she just started pouring out her story and it was so well told, so well rehearsed, I realized she's been telling this story a lot. She's been telling this story for a long time and it was all about someone who hurt her someone who had done it, and it, the story had moss on it. It was so old, but it was coming out of her mouth. Let all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice means that you felt good about someone and you're probably friends with them, but now you can't stand them. That's what the word malice means. He said, take malice, along with bitterness, evil speaking, clamor, anger, wrath, take all of that and... Um, let it be put away from you. Then it goes like this. He says, now be kind to one another. Now kindness, kindness is an action. It's not something you feel. It's something you do. And, and the Lord describes himself as, as, as loving and kind. Loving kindness. The, he's not just loving, but he actually does good. That's the kindness part. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Tenderhearted says, I know what it feels like. I, I know, I've done what you've done. I, I've done the same thing. I know what it's like to go through what you're going through. It's your pain and my heart. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So the number one thing that moves the ball down the field is to go further in this whole process of, of winemaking is this, is that we're so grateful we appreciate the fact that we've been forgiven so freely, so abundantly. The more we take that in, the more we let that into our heart and realize, oh, where would I be? Where would I be today without the forgiveness of the Lord? Where would I be? I wouldn't be here. My life was such a wreck. But he, God forgave me in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's, that's the reason that we want to forgive because we've been so freely forgiven. Powerful, powerful incentive. Let's move to gratitude. Freely give as we freely have received. The next thing I would recommend is going back to uh, Matthew chapter 5, that last part of the chapter, verses 43 to 48. Uh, and this is what he says. Uh, actually, even you can back up even further when it gets to the second mile, verse 38. Verse, verse 39 says, do not hit back at all. Verse 39 says, turn the other cheek. Verse 40 says, give them your coat. Verse 41 says, go the extra mile. Verse 42, give your enemies whatever they want to borrow. I used to read that line, and uh, I, I totally misunderstood it for, the, for the most of my Christian life. Uh, 
I thought, you know, we brothers and sisters, you know, you're talking and you say, well, I've been reading this book. And they say, can I borrow it when you're done? And, and so you reluctantly lend it to them, knowing that you may never see it again. And, and I thought that I had to, I had anybody who asked for something, I had to, I had to lend it to them. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about your enemies. It's a whole other thing. When someone's done something really nasty to you, then they come and ask you to give something to you, uh, ask if they can borrow something. Then that's when character comes out. That's when maturity comes out. That's when maturity says, yeah, I don't feel like giving to you, but I'm going to do it because Jesus told me to do it. It has nothing to do with your friends borrowing your stuff. Finney preached this one time, and he said, uh, uh, he preached, you know, that you borrow things, and, and, and he just mentioned the lack of integrity of returning it. He said the next morning he went out, he heard a bunch of noise. He went out, and there were people throwing t garden tools and all kinds of stuff over his fence. It wasn't even his stuff. They just assumed that he was preaching to them. <laughs> Give your enemies whatever they want to borrow. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little story about that. My principal partner in India, uh, we had this guy come who wanted to burn our village. And uh, we had just arrived, and he was going to come in on a motorcycle. And we uh, overheard him. Uh, some of our orphans overheard him saying that he was coming to burn our village. He was going to kill us. And uh, uh, he had done so many nasty things before that, but it got jacked up. He was so angry that we were there. And so envious of the success of these Christians and their prosperity. And so uh, we had to flee. And uh, so it, it forestalled it. But then they came back later to burn the village. And they burned, uh, burned our church, burned our house, uh, burned a lot of stuff. And um, they tried to kill our translator, my partner, Gabriel. And, and they said, they made a vow. They said, this day you will die. And there's a, a fight broke out and, and a, a scuffle. And Gabriel said, I don't know what happened. I got knocked to the ground. And he said, someone dragged me by the heels into a house. And he said, that's the only thing that saved me. Uh, they were, they were de determined to kill him. And I said, well, what happened next? He said, well, he said, a short time later, that guy came to my house. And he said, I know Americans stay here and I know they leave medicine we had these uh, jungle medicine kits that we had put, 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 put together very expensive but to treat our teams when they stay there the natives and so forth their jungle uh, kits and uh, he said I know they leave medicine here and the guy said what do you need and he said well my daughter's really sick and we need medicine he said not only can you have any medicine you want we'll come and pray for her and Jesus will heal her and they, they went, and they laid hands on her, and wouldn't you know it, Jesus healed her. And the whole family came to know Christ. I was just there last March, and I asked about that guy, and they said, well, he's passed away. He's in heaven now, but his children are still serving the Lord. That's what this verse is talking about. It's your, it, the context is your, how you're treated by people who don't like you, and they treat you bad, and you're to lend to them. It changes the whole dynamic. Love your enemies, bless them, do them good, pray for them. Most of this is forgiveness you can see. That changes the whole game. I find that people don't know they're finished with forgiveness because 
It's all from their heart. And they might even say it with their lips, but they, it goes no further than that. If you want to see this thing expedited, if you want to see it finished, if you want to really get a breakthrough, start showing forgiveness. Start demonstrating forgiveness. Forgiveness, you can see, is, is, is where someone has done something to you and you've forgiven them. Then you call them up for lunch and you pay the tab. That's forgiveness you can see. You can't do that and still wonder whether it's finished or not. Something will happen in your heart. Forgiveness, what you can see, that's you making a cup of tea for someone who's done something bad to you. That's you doing something kind, something nice for something, somebody who's, who's hurt you, who's done something bad to you. A powerful, powerful thing. Let's break this down a little bit more. I'd been part of a church where people trashed me and spoke bad about me and did some really nasty things. And uh, I didn't want to go back to that church. I, I had a real struggle wanting just to attend church. And I knew it couldn't not attend. I didn't want the enemy to push me out of fellowship, push me out of church. That's what he'd like to do. And he does that all the time. That's his go-to. And so I was determined not to do that, but I did not want to see those people again. I did not want to be near them. I didn't want to put myself in a position of being hurt again. And so my heart was guarded, felt wounded. <clears throat> and I asked the Lord, I said, how do I win this thing? How do I change how I feel? And he says, turn the other cheek. And I thought I knew something about turning the other cheek. And I asked him, I said, well, how, how do I do this? He said, I want to teach you something new, something fresh about turning the other cheek. I'm all ears. I want to hear. He said this. Jesus spoke this to my heart. He said, turning the other cheek is when someone hits you on one side, and then you put yourself in a position to be hurt again. I didn't want to be hurt again. I didn't want to be put in a position of being hurt again. That's what I, I mean, I felt like they hit me on this side, but I was not going to put myself in a position where that could ever happen again. In fact, I said, that will never happen again. And, and, but I, this is Jesus speaking to me. It's also in red ink. I, I'm, I really have to do this. I don't even know how this is going to go down. I mean, then I got thinking about it. Well, what if I did that? What if I went in and I greeted them and hugged them? Shook their hand like I would any other people in church. What are they going to do, kill me? And I thought, I can do this. I'm going to have to do this. I, I was curious to see what would happen. And so I went up to my beloved enemies and said hello, good morning, and greeted them and hugged them and stood there and talked with them. It was It was amazing. It was so freeing. Most of the fear, most of the battle was in my head. Someone said there's nothing more exhilarating than being shot at and missed. Well, that's what it felt like. I felt like I was so braced to be hurt, but it didn't happen. And I just kept doing it week after week after week for months. The freedom was gained by turning the other cheek. Let me tell you one more story, and I know it's getting late, and we'll stop. Had this guy in our denomination who was jealous of my success and 
and was always trying to embarrass me, always trying to hinder my, my, my progress, and did all kinds of nasty things, not just to me, but to other people I care about as well. And he was a real struggle. So I end up, I, I decided to, to resign a position who brought me in contact with him. Now I wouldn't have to see him anymore. <laughs> you would think that would solve the problem. So now I don't see him anymore, but he's still in my head. It's like he's running space in my head. I would argue with him. He would come to my mind, and I would, I would be so, I'd rehearse all the things he did. And, and uh, sometimes I'd be driving down the road, and I'd, I'd have full-blown arguments with him in my head, telling him, making a case. You did this, 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 kind of telling him off, setting him straight. What, how bad he is, what he had done. I'd, I'd arrive at my appointment exhausted and sweaty, and he wasn't even in the car with me. And, and uh, he'd uh, Heather one time, she said, what was happening on your side of the bed last night? You were tossing and turning. And I said, oh, so-and-so was in bed with me last night. We were, you know, I was wrestling, going at it, losing sleep. I, I was really struggling with this. It's like the, one of the biggest battles I'd ever faced. I went to Jesus and I said, help me with this. First thing he did is take me to Matthew chapter five. First thing he did is he took me to this section of scripture. It was like my Bible was folded there. Every time I talked to him, I'd end up coming to the same place. And, and, and I felt like he wanted me to bless him and pray for him. And so that was hard to do, but I, I started exercising that muscle. I started blessing him. Every time he came to my mind, I would bless him. I'd pray for him, and I gained some freedom from that, but I wasn't completely free. <clears throat> I said, how do I become more free? And this idea of giving to him, giving to my beloved enemy, giving him something, and I thought, well, what can I, how can I do that? What can I give him? I mean, I didn't want to, and I... But if it wasn't for Jesus helping me and pastoring me through it, I probably would never have done it. The idea, I, I love books. I mean, even this morning, Nelson gave me an old book. I mean, people know I love books. I love them. I give them away. I, I, I just love everything about books. And so I went down to my big bookcase, and uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll give him a book. I'll give him a book. And I, I picked one off the shelf, and I thought, well, this will fix this wagon. And I thought, no, I can't give him that book at all. I'll push that one back. This book, now this book, this book, I love this book. This book has helped me so much. This has been, this is a sweet book. And so I put it in an envelope, wrote his name on it. Didn't, no indication it came from me. I even drove to a nearby town and mailed it from another town so he wouldn't know it came from me. He would have gotten the book and not have any idea who it was from. But yeah, that didn't matter. He didn't have to know it came from me. I can't tell you the freedom that it brought me. I'm winning this thing. I'm starting to gain some, some level, starting to experience freedom from forgiving. There's forgiveness you can see. But I wasn't completely for, set free. And so I was talking. I said, Lord, what else can I do? And he took me back to the same section of Scripture, Matthew 5 again. And I felt like the Lord said, Invite him for lunch. And I said, never. Never. Heather's amazing cook, has great hospitality. And I love, I love 
bringing my friends over and people, I, people I'm getting to know and letting them, letting them enjoy her hospitality. That's a real treat for me. And sitting around talking and spending the evening together, that's a, that's a beautiful experience. My enemy, this guy who did all this stuff to me, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could stand five minutes. How could I do a whole meal? And, and so I'm wrestling back and forth upstairs. And, and it, finally, I, I come to a place, okay, all right, Lord, I will do it. I will, I will call him and invite him for lunch. And this beautiful peace came in my heart. I went downstairs and I said, Heather, you never guess what happened. I was just praying, struggling with so-and-so, and, and she knew that was a long-standing struggle. He'd go with me on camping trips. He'd go, I mean, just, just, it was a struggle. And I said, I felt like the Lord spoke to me. She said, what did he say? And I said, why? Well, he said, invite him for lunch. She said, Never. <laughs> And I get that. I understand. And I couldn't push it on. I said, no, this is really the Lord. She said, that can't be the Lord. I said, it really is the Lord. I mean, do you think I would come up with something like that? <clears throat> we had an appointment later that morning, and we went out to see this property. And, and uh, I'd grown paranoid that I would run into this guy if I was downtown or in a grocery store. I really became paranoid. Like, every time I went out shopping or out for a walk or something. It was my dread thinking, well, what if I walk in and I face this guy? What would I say and how would that go? And so we went out to do this appointment to see this property and we walked and wouldn't you know, he came around the corner and there's he and his wife. I hadn't seen him for about three years. And there's he and his wife standing right in front of us. And it was different than what I had pictured or imagined. And I said, oh, well, uh, good to see you again. And Heather, she said, and Pam was just saying this morning that we should invite you guys for lunch. And I thought, she's so clever. She's so quick. And they said, we'll come. That surprised me. So we set a date right there. And he came to dinner. And we didn't get into any of the stuff that divided us or separated us. And the goal was never to become good friends again or best friends. We, that, in fact, we never saw each other after that. But as we're just talking, I realized he's just a man. I mean, I demonized him so much in my head that he had horns and tails and hooves. And, and he's just a weak man, struggling man. He's a grandpa. I'm a grandpa. We talked about grandkids for a little bit. And the, and after we just talked, I, all that was lanced out of my heart. It was like it was just drained off. There was no more hatred. No, he's just, he's just, he's just a man. And I was free. Never had any more issues with him. Now I've had to apply that with some other people since then, but it was all over. The, the, I was finished. Forgiveness was, fr was finished. I was on the other side of it. But what got me there was obedience first, then moved to my heart where I wanted to, but I couldn't, and then the Lord showed me how to, how to do forgiveness you can see. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. If we could ever stage this, 
where we lined everybody up and we had such a safe place and such a openness that we could all share the things that have happened to us. We'd be astonished at how many have been hurt, betrayed, lied to, offended, abused. Probably there'd be no one you'd want to trade places with if we could all hear our stories. It's, it's so common. The Lord knew it was going to be part of the battle, and the way to do it is, is he said, just every day, just forgive. Every day, flush your heart with forgiveness. We can't do that here this morning. There isn't enough time, but you can commit to it in your heart. You can, if you feel like the Lord was speaking to you this morning, you can tell him, I, I will do this. I will live this way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being such an amazing example of forgiveness. There's no one like you who's ready to forgive. There's no one like you who does 70 times 7. <clears throat> You're the creator of forgiveness. You're the inventor of forgiveness. Father, we want to be like you. Bring us to a level of maturity that we know how to navigate this thing. How do we apply it to the right degree at the right time to the right person or so that they're free and that we're free? Father, show us, teach us how to go deeper in a simple, powerful Christian grace. Jesus, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for dying for us. We didn't deserve it. We were your enemies, and you, you loved us, and you initiated the whole thing, and you came, and you gave, and gave, and gave. We haven't thanked you enough. We love you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.